0: A young mother vanishes, a father of four disappears, both without a trace. Both disappeared in the fall of 1965, one month apart. At the time, the sheriff believed they ran away together. But both families believed it was more sinister. We would have done extensive searches throughout Sligo, be it rubbish bins, public areas, gardens of properties, private properties, car parks. We even searched the local dump in the hope that we might have been able to find some of his property that might have helped us to identify who he actually was. And then they, had, they decided to flee
1: The family car was found dumped at this park in Wangaratta around 10 o'clock last night. The couple left their Sylvan home on Monday with no phone or credit cards. With their children on board, they made it to the Janolan Caves in New South Wales. But Mitchell and Alice split from their family and reported their parents missing at Goulburn yesterday. A big break in a cold case from almost three decades ago. It was believed he probably got onto a bus and may have traveled to the Niagara Falls area.
0: Even though police got information right away where he went, they could not find him.
1: What had occurred was a head injury, shortly after arriving in St. Catharines a number of years ago. And so effectively, he forgot who he was.
0: It just shows the level of planning, the level of detail he had gone into to ensure that he was never identified
1: have you heard the story of- and written on the wall and everyone blood. has the different stories of oh this happened to my brother they start telling you stories of the old there was this girl it was back when we were a little kid to find out the truth regarding one of the most enduring tales in american
0: war. A story behind the story because it's just a
1: story hello and welcome to the just a story podcast i'm jake
0: And I'm Sam.
1: And we're here to tell you a story.
0: Each week, we take a look at the stories that we tell over and over again. What our myths, misdeeds, fears, and fables say about us as humans.
1: Welcome back for another installment of our show.
0: We have missed you all very much. We're so glad you joined us today. You're looking ravishing. I love what you're wearing. I love those sweatpants. Love them. They look super comfy and cozy. Also flattering. No one else will tell you that. I will. You should rock those every day.
1: Um, I'm just wearing tights as pants.
0: Oh, my God. They're not pants. They're not pants. You're not a superhero. You're not, how many times do we have to go over this?
1: That's what you think.
0: You are not a superhero. You may not wear tights as pants.
1: Mm-hmm. New rule. So, we do want to thank all of our listeners for coming back. We've had a bunch of new ratings and reviews on iTunes and comments on the site and people following us on Twitter and reaching out. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Just a Story Pod or go to our website. Justastorypod.com.
0: Or you can find us on Instagram or Facebook or, you know, wherever you look up your ex-boyfriends.
1: Is this what you're doing with your free time?
0: I don't have that many ex-boyfriends.
1: And on our website and through all of our social media, we post things about the show. And you can find lots and lots more information if you're ever interested in finding out even more.
0: About your ex-boyfriends?
1: No. <laughs> About the topics of the show. Like I said, we do have some new ratings and reviews on iTunes. We have Red Wolf 84757 Uh, Silly Mom said we were like Drunk History, which I take as a compliment. I take that as a compliment as well. And uh, all the way in Canada, Pathetic Cat.
0: Pathetic Cat is an amazing name. I also, like, okay, I want to thank Hannibal's Box for being an awesome fan. He's continually reached out to us, and we finally found out that he reviewed the show, so I feel like we should mention him. And he's a patron, and he's awesome, so... And speaking of patron... Patrons! We have a Patreon! Did you know we have a Patreon? I did. Oh, well, news to me, but whatever. So we have a Patreon, and you should go check that out. And we've rearranged some levels, added some new things, moved some stuff around, rebooted, reduxed, all the things.
1: Right, so we did add some new levels and changed some levels around, so we've been adding things like... I think one thing people will be interested in is we'll be hosting some virtual meetups throughout the year
0: virtual reality. Are we going to be in 3D and stuff? Or like pixelated? Is it going to be like the Dire Straits video from the 80s? Yes. Perfect. Okay, I'm in. We are V R. It's a deep track.
1: Oh. Okay. <laughs> and also on Patreon you can get access to our minicast,
0: Just the Stories. And we're going to look at some historical oddities using primary source material. And Commenting cleverly, hopefully.
1: Always. We think so, at least. (laughs) Um, And we already have two episodes up, and the third one will be going up
0: shortly. That's right, it will. Also. We have more. There's more. Who are you going to call?
1: Ghostbusters.
0: No. Who are you going to call? Batman. Okay. Never mind. Um, No, but seriously, give us a call on the Urban Legend Hotline if you want to share any of your hometown history, local lore, or... Fears, life goals, cat stories, whatever. The number is 512-222-3375.
1: And you can leave us a voicemail there. So, Sam, back to the story at hand.
0: The story at hand. Yes, today we are looking at sort of a odd urban legend. Maybe it's more of a, a logical fallacy or an error in thinking. I'm not sure what this qualifies as. But we wanted to look at the idea that when people are reported missing, one of the very likely scenarios that's always put forward by web sleuths, law enforcement, your nosy neighbor, whoever it is, is that people have just gone off to start a new life
1: somewhere. Yeah, that they kidnapped themselves. Yeah,
0: they just left. And I think that's really, really, really difficult to do. And I kind of wanted to talk about
1: it. Yeah, I think it's an interesting idea. So... Lots of people go missing every year for numerous reasons. On average, about 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. at any given time.
0: And that's old cold cases, that's new missing persons reports, that's just active missing
1: persons in the United States. Yes, they are active at that time. About 60% of them are adults, and 750,000 cases are reported each year. Did you see a... A discrepancy there in the number?
0: Well, most people come home within two
1: weeks, right? Right, it's really quick. Almost all of these cases are solved fairly quickly.
0: But the ones that aren't, really aren't.
1: True, but it's a very small percentage. To give you another country's numbers, about 250,000 people go missing in the UK every year.
0: And that's reports, or that's active cases?
1: That's active cases. There are over 300,000 reports. About 1% of cases are not resolved in one year.
0: That's incredible. To be fair, missing persons cases can be resolved if they turn into other kinds of cases. Very true. Like homicide, suicide, etc. One powerful tool in sort of eliminating these lingering 1% of missing persons cases, these cold cases, is using the NamUs database. What's that? It is a database where people will enter information about unidentified human remains um, that turn up within their jurisdiction. Various fields can be plugged in. Sometimes there will be a DNA sample, sometimes fingerprints, photos, if they're known, and people will try to cross-reference those with known missing persons cases. There's also the Doe Network, which is another pretty powerful tool that was created by a civilian who found out about the internet and um, was looking for Tent Girl, which is a whole other episode.
1: Oh yeah. So, you know, it's an important point to make. that If you're an adult, you can disappear. You know, if you wanted to. It's not against the law to disappear, as long as you aren't breaking any laws while you're doing it.
0: Well, you might default on payments for things, and you might have identity theft charges, and you might, you know, not pay your child support. I can see a lot of things that you could possibly potentially do that are illegal in association with making yourself disappear.
1: Oh, there are so many things you could do, but if you wanted to do it legally, you could. So you like just pay everything
0: off and disappear, and that's cool.
1: Yeah, that's fine. But you have to ask yourself, why would someone want to do this? I'm sure there are good reasons. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of really serious reasons why you would want to do this.
0: The first thing that comes to mind for me is like domestic violence stuff.
1: Definitely, and people like stalkers. Yeah. Those two are really big, like legitimate reasons to vanish.
0: And then you have things like, you know, basically anything you'd go into witness protection for.
1: Yeah. Or um, like a corporate whistleblower. Right. Those all are, good reasons. Yeah. Those are all good reasons to kind of vanish legally, safely, and try to leave no trace because you don't want to be found.
0: Right. Or I guess if the mob had a hit out on you or something.
1: But there are lots of other. Not so good reasons why one would want to vanish. I mean, you can look at it from the psychological standpoint of people that just start to have kind of a cognitive dissonance in their lives. Okay. To where they really feel like trapped. You know, Mm -hmm. who they think they are is not who they feel people perceive them to be.
0: So like a clinical level anxiety About their identity. Like a clinical level identity crisis is maybe a better way to say it.
1: No, it really would be. And they just go down that spiral. And usually there's some anxiety and depression related to it. To where it just becomes worse and worse. And it just builds upon itself.
0: I've also heard about people with like paranoid delusions going missing. Like schizophrenia and that sort of thing. They'll get off their meds and nobody knows about it. And then they disappear. I've heard of a couple of different cases like that.
1: Yeah, definitely something you do see on a rare occasion. But there's some even even more ridiculous reasons to vanish.
0: Well, I mean I don't think those are ridiculous. These are. No, those, these are. Those no. those aren't. Those no. are valid. We feel, we're sorry if that happens to you. But these
1: Oh, these are. These are ridiculous. So let me tell you about this one child. Okay. This twelve year old boy in the, in a French Alpine village in May of twenty fourteen. Did he yodel? I'm not sure. He, one day, was walking down the street Mm -hmm. and was approached and abducted by a 1.7 meter tall, muscular, Eastern European man with a scar on his face.
0: So, a Bond villain.
1: Exactly. I think he had a cat, too.
0: God willing, and the creek don't rise. I hope so. Okay, so, this This boy was kidnapped. It's horrible. It's
1: it's awful. Well, he did manage to escape. Oh, my God. He's a hero. He's amazing. He's brave. Such a brave guy. He escaped when he was taken to a town nearly 100 miles away. Wow. And then made it all the way back to his little Alpine village.
0: Wow. It's like uh, Homeward Bound, the boy edition in the French Alps.
1: It would also be dubbed in America.
0: Sally Field would do his voice, too.
1: And so when they got back, you know, police interviewed him and they were very worried about this Bond villain roaming the Alpine <laughs> Just the, village.
0: He's the only one not wearing lederhosen. It's fine. He's easy to spot. It's
1: true. He was wearing lederhosen, but they were black. <laughs> oh, it's spooky. And they spent a month searching for him. No trace. And so they went back and they were reviewing security footage. Mm-hmm. And they you know saw the boy walking along the street where he was supposedly kidnapped no tall, muscular, Eastern European scar wielding <laughs> man.
0: He wielded his scar like a weapon.
1: And so they went back to question the boy.
0: And he said, No, no, you didn't see the part when I was pulled in the alleyway, clearly, because I escaped and I'm brave and I'm amazing. Yodelay hee hoo.
1: Well, he was twelve. So he fessed up pretty quickly. Okay. <laughs> to
0: what? What do
1: you do? He faked the whole thing. Why? Why would
0: he do that? Why would he make up a Bond villain?
1: Well, I would do just about anything to get out of this. Okay. And it's to miss a dentist appointment.
0: Oh my God. He made up a Bond villain to miss a dentist appointment. I think that makes him a Bond villain.
1: He's the twist at the end of the movie.
0: <laughs> you mean like the fifth sequel when they run out of twist?
1: So, very legitimate reason to kidnap oneself
0: well, one could just go missing. These go a step further. These cases that we're going to be talking about, they all involve
1: a little theatrics,
0: some production value, let's call it. And there's generally at the root of all of these a nefarious individual who has kidnapped an innocent. And such was the case in April of 1950, again in France.
1: Was it Eastern European?
0: No, worse, so much worse
1: puritans oh no is this the true origin of the jersey devil
0: yes yes so i have a news article here i want to read to you paris police seeking star who vanished paris april 1st police speculated today that a puritanical maniac might be behind the disappearance of a pretty star in the play no orchids for miss blandish and threats to her stand-in Nicole Riche disappeared during Wednesday night's performance of the play after being given a note that a man wanted to see her about her mother. Stand-in Lily and Arut went on in the role last night despite telephone warnings that if she did, she would suffer the same fate as Nicole. Miss Riche previously got letters saying she shouldn't take a part in a play like *Note Workers* for Miss Blandish, which deals with American gangsters and rape. Oh no! She wore few clothes on stage. Oh my! Police said signs indicated some individual disapproved of the play on moral grounds and Miss Rees's role in the play. But at the same time, it appeared that she went off with this mysterious note bearer voluntarily. Charles Lonnan, manager of the Grand Guignol Theatre, where the play was being given, said he did not believe any publicity stunt to be involved. I'll admit the theory is plausible. But it is not like Nicole to do a thing like that, he said, adding. In any case, it's not a publicity stunt on our party. He said he believed it was a kidnapping. He said that Wednesday night when Nicole disappeared, the management told the audience tickets would be good next Wednesday. Or those who wanted could get their money back. No one asked for his money back, he said. So did they find her? Oh, yes. I have an update for you. Oh, good. Miss Blandish turns up after kidnapping.
1: Oh, the Puritans let her go. Good.
0: Police have their doubts. (sighs) Hmm. Missing star of No Orchids for Miss Blandish, vivacious, dark-eyed 22-year-old Nicole Riche, was found at dawn today wandering in a forest near Paris in her underwear. Scandalous. I know. Police are investigating whether the whole affair was a publicity stunt. Police Commissioner Marcel Combon does not believe her story that unknown men kidnapped her from Paris horror theater Grand Gignol on Wednesday night. He said today that he wanted to know why, if Nicole had been wandering in the forest since then, the soles of her shoes were almost unmarked and her clothes were not torn. So she came out photo ready. Yes, yes, obviously.
1: She's a starb.
0: <laughs> I'm ready for my close-up.
1: Was her stylist kidnapped as well?
0: Yes, yes, there were. no, they weren't.
1: Just... Did, the, did the Puritans make her wear a like, little pilgrim outfit? <laughs>
0: And she was like, fuck this, I'm going in my underwear, guys. I don't want to wear a belt on my head, stupid.
1: Buckles are so last year.
0: The disappearance of the actress took even more serious turn on Thursday when an actor in the same show, Jean-Marc Tunberg, was found unconscious in his hotel with an empty file nearby. Police said that Tunberg tried to commit suicide. Nicole's mother said yesterday that she thought Tunberg was in love with her daughter. Tinberg is now at hospital in serious condition. In the play, Tinberg, as the sadistic gangster Slim, kidnaps Miss Blandish. This is the role Nicole Riche played
1: until she disappeared.
0: So she stumbles out of the forest. Police are like, Why you look so nice? And she's like, Uh, the gypsies help me.
1: The gypsies? Oh yes. Uh, Puritan gypsies? No, no,
0: no. Different different wood organization.
1: Why aren't there so many wood organizations in France? Well,
0: Because Paris is terrible if you're a gypsy or a Puritan and you need somewhere to go. I think it'd be
1: great if you were a gypsy.
0: I think it would be great as long as you weren't lactose intolerant, just in general. So she comes out and she's like, the gypsies help me. Never to worry, never to fear. And they're like, the gypsies. And she's like, you heard me. And they're like, yeah, that's the problem. We heard you. And so it does come out eventually that this was all a big publicity stunt to draw attention to the play. Because in the play, obviously, she's kidnapped. By Puritans? No, by Slim. Oh, of course. Right. A suicide attempt and some threatening letters and, you know, impeding a police investigation and filing a false report and all of that later and maybe a short prison sentence, everything was fine.
1: Well, good. I'm glad there aren't roaming bands of Puritans kidnapping starlets. Well, not in Paris, anyway. Yes. Maybe in America. Maybe in New Jersey. So I've got one for you. So we have one trying to get out of, well, a dentist appointment. hmm We have a starlet committing a hoax to draw publicity.
0: Right, which is a perfectly good reason to have high production value.
1: So what's another good reason one might create some large hoax?
0: Oh, what's the worst?
1: So, Like trying to get an old girlfriend back or like,
0: you know, get, a, get someone's attention.
1: Of course. Love. Love. Love is the reason for everything. Mm-hmm. So this one, I think you're really going to like it. Okay. This is about a man, Robert Groomer. Uh huh. He's 42 years old. Uh huh. This takes place in Natchitoches, Louisiana.
0: I know a thing or two about Natchitoches, Louisiana. Why is that? It's my hometown. <laughs> oh my God. Shut up.
1: <laughs> so, Robert Groomer is this 42 year old man from Oklahoma.
0: And see, he's an import. Yeah, right Oklahoma. there, right off the bat, we know.
1: And he claimed to have been kidnapped. Pictures of himself tied up, naked, and beaten were sent to local journalists.
0: So, like, the Nackish Times.
1: And, like, the local news stations. And they were like, uh... We can't air
0: this. this He's naked. Naked.
1: Naked. Let's call the police. (laughs) So, they do the right thing, and they call the police, like, hey, this guy's been kidnapped. And the police and the FBI start an investigation.
0: When was this in 2013? It was a few years ago. Yeah.
1: Ten days after this hostage... Situation is reported.
0: Where is he being held? Like in Natchitoches somewhere?
1: Maybe. Supposedly. Of course. The den of all evil. There's
0: no basements in Natchitoches. You can't hold a hostage.
1: There's a lot of woods where Puritans this and Gypsies... the <laughs> cohort,
0: cohort, whatever.
1: And so 10 days later, the police and fire crew are called out to a house outside of Natchitoches. That's actually my hometown. And there is has been a fire and an explosion. Was he there? No, he's being held hostage.
0: Oh, I thought they might have blown up the house where he's being held hostage. I don't know.
1: No, who is there is Groomer's ex-wife and a friend.
0: So there's just a, a plague upon both of their houses.
1: Officers found several cylinders stacked under the residence, which were believed to be placed to cause an explosion. So after all this occurs, the kidnapper calls up the local... Journalist and says, Hey guys, why aren't you covering this amazing story? Oh no, no. I mean, there was a kidnapping, there's this naked guy, (laughs) he looks really good.
0: No, he doesn't. No, No, he doesn't. No,
1: not at all. And, I mean, there's an explosion. This is crazy. There's nothing else going on in Natchitoches, Louisiana. (laughs)
0: Was it Christmas Festival weekend? Because maybe then they're competing for news. But any other time. It's just cat pictures and deer being killed.
1: So the police are a little suspicious. (laughs) And they eventually find Groomer and arrest him. And he is charged with kidnapping himself. That's not the actual charge, but I wish it was. And with...
0: Let's get this shit on the books.
1: Yeah, right? And with trying to blow up his ex-wife's house. Yeah, and well, actually, he had several convictions on the books for trying to, like, mail bombs and other (laughs) sort of... He's,
0: like, Ted Kaczynski, like, remedial level.
1: He is not your Harvard-educated bomber.
0: No. You have to be that smart to pull that shit off.
1: So he says that he did all of this just to get the attention of his ex-wife. So now I know what I'm gonna do. No,
0: I was just gonna say, like, <laughs> don't get any ideas. Like, I don't I don't want to
1: bomb ever. It's better than flowers. No, it's not. Or chocolate. No, it's not. It's not at all. What if we went Bond villain like and I hired a muscular Eastern European scarred man. Yeah. To deliver explosive flowers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. The gypsies would save me. All would be well. So I have another vintage kidnapping story for you. Good news. This one
1: is also for love. It's what we do everything for, Samantha. Always. There's nothing
0: you can do that can't be
1: done. There's nothing you can say that can't be sung. Don't sing the next one. (laughs) You led me right into that. That is not fair to me or the listeners. It's easy. I'm not doing it.
0: (laughs) Okay, so I need to give you a little background information on this character. There was a woman in 1926 named Amy Semple McPherson, and she was an evangelist, faith healer, founder of the Four Square Gospel Church, and the builder of the Angelus Temple.
1: Sounds like an upstanding citizen.
0: Right. A true American. Oh, she is as American as fuck. Sorry. That's the technical term. I'm sorry. There's just no other way to say it. So she was out for a swim one day off Venice Beach because her Angelus Temple was in Los Angeles. And she went out for a swim on May 18th of 1926. And she never came back.
1: Was she kidnapped? Yes. Oh. <gasps>
0: But we don't know that. yet.
1: Gypsies. Puritans. No, we don't know. Eastern Europeans.
0: No, we don't know that yet. Bond.
1: All of them. Wait. Oh, she's, an, she's a true American. Um, Mexicans.
0: No, actually. Just went to Mexico. But anyway, drugs. Long story. Shh. Wait for it. It's worth the journey. Okay. So all of her followers went into hysterics and believed the end times was upon us because she had been taken. Oh, God. God wouldn't let her die, said one follower. One young church member drowned herself because she was in such grief. Oh, my God. And one follower dynamited the water where she had supposedly drowned, hoping to bring her body to the surface, and it brought up all these dead fish. Uh, Correction. True American. Yes. (laughs) Yes. The faithful believed that she had died and that she would be resurrected by supernatural forces. Of course. Right. And there were rumors that that was not the case. So her mother's name was Minnie Kennedy. True American. There was a ransom note mailed to Minnie Kennedy asking for fifty thousand dollars in ransom.
1: That's a lot of money back then.
0: Yes, it would be equivalent to about six hundred seventy-eight thousand dollars today.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, and the note said no police, et cetera. And so, when the kidnapping rumors or the kidnapping allegations started, more rumors started to be printed. And this is a few weeks after her experience, like two weeks after her experience. And people said that she'd gone away to have an abortion, that she'd gone away to have plastic surgery, that she had gone away to have an affair, that and the note claimed that she'd been sold into white slavery. White slavery. Always with white slavery. Like you would think that every episode like, like last five. White slavery was apparently a giant problem for ladies. And just just to give you a little background information, flesh her character out a little bit more so we can get invested in her struggle with these kidnappers. She had done a lot of really important civic and spiritual work. For example, she testified for the prosecution during the Scopes trial. Oh, I hate her. I know. So Scopes trial is the evolution trial, right? The monkey trial.
1: The monkey child.
0: And she had said, evolution is bad and wrong, and this man needs to go to prison for teaching it to our children. So, yeah. American. American. And she married a man and had a daughter. That's where the simple last name comes from. And they had gone on mission out of the country, and he had gotten malaria and died. hate when that happens. His name is Robert, and she had a daughter named Roberta, because she's super creative but then they came back and then she married another man with the last name McPherson and had a son with him. But then one day the Lord came to her and just told her that she needed to get out there and give him all the glory and praise. And it was her calling to preach the gospel. So she left her husband and took the kids with her and apparently took the Ford Packard that they owned together with them as well. And along the side of the Packard she painted, Jesus is coming soon. Get ready exclamation point. And she spoke in tongues and did faith healing. Oh. And supposedly she laid hands on a paralyzed woman who stood up out of her wheelchair and this was just the greatest miracle of all time. Hey, if it really happened it would be <laughs> right and she founded the Angelus Temple in Los Angeles and it had like seating for 5,300 people. So she
1: was one of the first like mega church evangelists. Yeah, she was. Yes, yes. And she was a girl. Oh my God. Girl power.
0: Right? Then poof. She missed her preaching engagement on May 18th. And everyone knew that something truly terrible must have happened to dear sweet sister Amy. Satan. Satan. During this time, this charming article was written. McPherson followers to hold elaborate memorial service. The spirit of Amy Simple McPherson, evangelist and self-styled healer, who disappeared at the beach on May 18th, is expected to fill her church, the Angelus Temple, here tomorrow with a jam of followers that will overtop any previous attendance when the preacher was present in the body and occupied the pulpit. She was drowned and is with her God, has become an almost slogan among the temple worshipers. Despite the fact that officers of the law are quietly laying plans to set in motion Monday one of the most minute investigations ever attempted in this part of the state in a reported missing case. Two salient facts stand out from the mass of rumors and maze of reports which have accumulated since Mrs. McPherson dropped from sight. One is that she went to the beach and the other is that no person has admitted seeing her return to the temple. The last person known to have seen her alive is Miss Emma Schaefer, her secretary, who says that Miss McPherson went down into the water and did not come back. Lifeguards at the beach where the evangelist was last seen said today that they had the greatest difficulty in obtaining from Miss Schaefer the identity of the woman who the secretary said had been drowned. Had they known who it was and had her description, the guards said they might have launched an immediate search. They didn't launch an immediate search just for anybody?
1: Well, no. Only, okay. the, only the best.
0: Well, I mean, I thought they could walk on water, so I don't see the problem. Today, a few of Miss McPherson's friends, led by her mother, Miss Minnie Kennedy, again scanned the tumbling surf fruitlessly for a body. It is 11 days since the evangelist disappeared. Mrs. McPherson's divorced husband, Harold S. McPherson of Ocala, Florida, telegraphed the Los Angeles police today offering his services in any effort made to clear up the mystery. The authorities would not say whether they are seeking Kenneth G. Ormiston, former radio broadcaster from the station maintained by Miss McPherson, to question him again. Mrs. Sylvia Oberman told police that she could identify the man whom she had seen on the beach talking to the evangelist. In addition to the memorial services at Angelus Temple tomorrow by the followers of Miss McPherson, who believe that she's lost her life in the surf, the missing evangelist's mother earlier today arranged for an airplane to drop flowers over the ocean on the spot where the evangelist was reported lost at sea. The flowers will consist of crimson and
1: white roses. So they're hosting a funeral for her. Oh
0: yeah, this is very Tom Sawyer, very Tom Sawyer.
1: So is she hiding in the rafters, basically.
0: So good news, folks. Don't get your panties in a twist just yet. She's not. All hope is not lost. Our souls can still be redeemed because she lives. she is risen. She is risen. So she does rise. She comes back about a month later, and she claimed that she had been held by a group of three Americans and quote, drugged and drugged and drugged. Oh,
1: that sounds like
0: fun. (laughs) I know, right? And she'd been held in a shack in Mexico. Mexicans. No, they were Americans. They were, she didn't know all three of their names, but one was Rose and one was Steve. Of that she was certain. She said that she'd come out of the water and seen them and they'd coaxed her into a car and then kidnapped her. Which I'm like, she's a grown-ass woman. How do you coax a grown-ass woman into a car? I don't know, like
1: we have candy
0: and Bibles. I think that must have been it. And she's like, they drugged and drugged me, but I never stopped telling them about Jesus. I never stopped.
1: She's like, I'm drugged. Jesus is right here with me. Like right here. Like, don't you see him? <laughs> yeah, basically. He has four eyes. Oh my God, it's Ganesh, I've been
0: wrong. So she said that she had walked through burning sands for 20 miles after sawing through her ropes and escaping from her captors who were only holding her to get that $50,000 reward.
1: Jesus saves.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. And Minnie says, Run up the flag on the temple and send out a world broadcast. The Lord has returned his own. And she said this, Obviously, after taking the time to confirm that this woman was actually her daughter and not just some lookalike, she had a scar on her finger that she'd gotten from a scythe accident or sickle accident. Say what? I know. And she knew the name of her pet pigeon. Was it Jesus? It was Rosebud, stupid. <laughs> I don't know that true or not. So 50,000 people showed up to welcome her at the train station after she returned from her stint in the hospital. Where she swooned whenever she didn't want to talk about something. Clever. Right? So, the the big theory is, you know, that aforementioned radio operator.
1: Yeah, the one that also went missing. Yeah,
0: so the, the thought is that perhaps they were having, you know, some Mexican fun time. So, just like, went down to Cancun. Which is absolutely, totally fine. That's great. Good for you. Don't send a ransom note. That's like, that's the biggest piece of advice that I have for this couple Just don't be crazy fundamentalist and speak in tongues and send ransom notes. She also said that her captors were planning to begin kidnapping Hollywood stars.
1: They were Puritans?
0: No, that's in Paris. We don't have Puritans in America. Wait. Those are just called people.
1: (laughs) Okay. So did she ever fess up to this? No,
0: she wrote a book a year later detailing all of her horrible trials. (laughs) It was called In the Service of the King.
1: Jesus saves.
0: Jesus saves. Amen. Hey pray hey pray. Hallelujah.
1: So this brings us to our next story. And of course this has to do with money and drugs.
0: Okay, so basically sex, drugs, and rock and roll are the reasons that you might want to kidnap yourself. Pretty much. So rock and roll would be like the publicity stunt, and then sex would be like the other two, and this is our drugs section.
1: Sure. Alright. In the dentist. That could go into drugs. So, this happened in Edmonton in 2013. So, that's in the great white American hat. Canada. So, this involves a woman named Caitlin Rose Pear. And she was addicted to oxytocin and fentanyl. And so, she had a pretty big drug problem. And she wound up in debt to her dealer.
0: For like a bajillion dollars.
1: $350. $50,000. (laughs) fifty
0: thousand dollars.
1: Dollars. No
0: gay. <okay. laughs>
1: Three hundred and fifty dollars. I mean it's it's not a dollar. And so she was she was in bad straits. That's
0: like payday loan money. You could sell a kidney
1: for more than that.
0: Yeah you yeah you sell a kidney for a lot
1: more than that. Don't be silly. So on November 14th, 2013, her parents and boyfriend received texts. Her mom received texts saying that her daughter had been kidnapped Due to a drug debt, and that they owed them $350. Was
0: she like, I think they left off zeros.
1: I think they must have left off zeros. Well, a stepfather got a text saying, 20 minutes till we fuck up your little girl, old man. Oh, no. The debt will be paid one way or another.
0: Oh, I don't want to know what another
1: is. And the boyfriend received a photo of her naked and crouched on the floor with text saying, This bitch ain't gonna make it.
0: Sounds like Dirty Harry dialogue.
1: So, of course, the mom called the police and they investigated. So, when the police were investigating, they ended up speaking directly to Caitlin and not to the kidnappers. Ooh. Rookie mistake. So, they demanded $350 or they were gonna kill her. I would not kill someone for $350.
0: I, I have standards and a soul. If you're gonna lie... Lie big. What? Commit, commit. Commit. Commit
1: to the lie. Get yourself a little
0: extra. Like, don't just cover the debt you have. You know you're going to have more debt. Like, come on, woman.
1: Dream big. Think of all the fentanyl you could buy. That's all I'm saying, okay? Get it together. So the police directed her to tell her kidnappers <laughs> that they, <that> they were <laughs> Are be- they there? Yeah. Can you take a message for us? Can you just tell them um, real quick that they were going to... Leave a $350 certified check at the bank, and they could, they could go pick it up. Cool. Easy enough. Easy so peasy,
0: her, lemon squeezy.
1: They pinged her cell phone. They found out where she was. They set up surveillance. They followed her and another man. Oh, well. To the bank. Dirty, dirty kidnapper. And when she they got to the bank, they rescued her. Yay! And they arrested the man.
0: Yay, justice.
1: And the man was like, what the hell is going on? No. He had no clue what was going on. Hey,
0: baby, you want to run with me
1: to the bank? Exactly. That's exactly what happened. He was just hanging out with her. (laughs) And they went to run an errand. I got to go pick up my ransom. I mean, paycheck, paycheck.
0: (laughs) You want to go get some eggs while we're out?
1: I don't know why she has a draw. She does, eh? So... He was he was set free pretty quickly after they realized, like, this guy had no clue. He peed his pants. Not really, but maybe.
0: Yeah, let's just say he did. It was
1: better. And she was missing for a total of 11 hours.
0: Dude, I didn't even know you could report. Oh, well, I guess they had the text. I was like, you can't report somebody missing after 11 hours. Well,
1: that is a misconception and not true. They do. People do recommend that you report. If you are concerned that someone is truly missing, uh, to report it ASAP because, as you know,
0: first 48,
1: first 48 hours, where well, the show is called that.
0: If you suspect foul play,
1: yeah, if you suspect foul play, you should tell them immediately,
0: right? They had the text, so it was like they just missed her for 11 hours, but no, she actually sent naked pictures and said she was going to die. So, exigent circumstances,
1: right? And with kids, you know, it's you get three hours, yeah, if they're gonna die, it's in three hours, yeah, so. So that idea is actually is very much a TV idea. Like that you have to wait 48 hours to report them or they're not a missing person, or the police will just hang up on you. Uh, I know they want to know. You know they might not throw a full investigation like the second you call them, but they they'll look into it. I
0: was just purely thinking of like I would not report someone missing after 11 hours. I would just assume they were mad at me. But I guess if I had text saying this bitch ain't going to make it. I might pick up the phone.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, that, that brings to the case of, of real missing people, real missing persons. And if you can disappear yourself, can you vanish without a trace?
0: It's called Polina Houdini.
1: Because he's still alive. Everyone knows that. It was his greatest trick. It's
0: like the Prestige and David Bowie's there.
1: So let's say for whatever reason you wanted to vanish. You want it to disappear.
0: You're getting on my nerves. I feel like disappearing. You've irked me.
1: That's probably not a good enough reason. <laughs> but let's okay. say you did. What, what would you have to do? I mean, what are our modern day problems? I mean, some are obvious. Well, like you couldn't use your bank account.
0: That would be a problem. Uh, you wouldn't have access to any savings you had. You'd have to clear that out. And I'm assuming that if you cleared everything out, that might like set off some
1: alarm bells. There are a lot of components to that. So first you're right, like money. Like how would you survive without money? You know, everything now is digital. You get credit cards, you get debit cards. Everything's in your bank account. Most people do not have cash under their mattress. What
0: I would do if I were planning to disappear. So like I would would have to have at least like a six-month window to make plans, at least. And over the course of that six months, every time I went to the grocery store, I would buy a $50 Visa
1: gift card. No, and that's kinda is exactly what you have to do. You have to have a lot of time to plan this because you have to siphon off money.
0: Right. And I would think even like withdrawals would show up.
1: Right. And so you limit those withdrawals to small amounts.
0: So if you buy something when you're buying groceries, like you buy the gift card the Visa gift card or whatever. You could, yeah, you
1: could buy gift cards. You can even buy gift cards you'd use, like to restaurant, to Walmart, or Target. Yeah,
0: but they would just show up as another item. It would just all
1: say, you know, Target. Right, exactly,
0: exactly. So that seems like the thing to do to me, but I mean, I'm not a no, professional think, or anything. No, I
1: mean that's what they recommend. I mean, also siphoning off cash, just mm-hmm. small amounts of cash every time, getting cash back every time you check out. Yeah, and just a little bit out of the ATM like you normally do. Mm-hmm. You know, and another problem is if you have a substantial amount of money. Let's say you're one of these like corporate whistleblowers that wants to get out of Dodge, then Dodge you have is a to, rough place. You have to sell all your assets off. Okay, that's way more time consuming. Yes, if you got like a car or a house or a yacht
0: or <laughs> whatever. If you have money that's not liquid, if you have assets that you can't readily tap into, you need to put your yacht on Craigslist.
1: Yes. I hope you don't, <laughs> and hope you don't get murdered.
0: You're so going to get murdered. Don't use Craigslist. Oh my God, don't use Craigslist. <laughs> like every time I see cute things, like I was looking for apartments once and I looked on Craigslist and I like saw this great couch. It was supposedly free and I was like, that's a murder couch. Um if someone's either been murdered on it or I'm gonna be murdered when I go to pick it up. I cannot have that couch.
1: Bring your UV light for anything you buy from Craigslist for so many bodily fluid reasons. That's really good advice. You're welcome. Luminol.
0: You'd be going down so many rabbit holes if you brought a black light with you. But
1: so it is easier if you're kind of just uh yeah, you know, like a waitress or something like that, where you have less money, just kinda of normal cash, don't have a big, you know, job where you're tied to things.
0: Right, it would be way easier
1: if you rented
0: than if you owned
1: home. Exactly. Another thing is, with the debit cards and with credit cards, is they're all tracked. All your purchases are tracked. So after you vanish, after you go on the run, you can't use them.
0: Right, that's why you have the the gift cards, as previously mentioned. Or like a cartoon character bag of money with a dollar sign on it.
1: A vault of gold. Yes. You can swim in.
0: McDuck in it. Have you
1: ever thought how painful it'd be to dive into a vault of gold?
0: That's why he has a beak to break through. Oh and my god, feathers to cushion. You're a genius. Also his top hat stays on. Let's not parse this, okay?
1: Also, he's a duck. <laughs> Who
0: whatever. understands capitalism. A Scottish duck. Like, let's not like get that crazy, okay?
1: We can't make it make sense. But that's our job.
0: It's just a story! Scrooge McDuck, it's just a story.
1: Well, there goes my five-part series I've been planning, but okay, fine. (laughs) Hard-hitting journalism. So, if you're not a Scottish anthropomorphic duck, and you've now collected some cash, collected a bunch of gift cards, have your assets kind of liquefied, another thing you can do is create a dummy corporation. I have seven. No, I a mean, dummy corporation. I have seven. What? What are they called? Happy, sleepy, grumpy, sneezy, dark, bashful. Those are just your moods. So you've got all your money kind of saved up, and then another huge problem you have, you know, along with those debit cards being tracked, is shit. Everything else is tracked as well nowadays. Okay, so you're talking about information. All the information.
0: Okay, so. So let's start with the internet. Let's talk about how plugged in you are on the
1: internet. Right. I mean, you cannot escape the internet these days. Everything's attached. All of your account information, everything you have signed up for.
0: Oh my God. Like Audible. I was just thinking like, okay, what couldn't I lose? It was like, what, what accounts do I have that would be like a tragedy to lose? And like, it just occurred to me, Audible.
1: You're not sponsored by Audible. (laughs) No,
0: but like, I would have to, I would have to lose all my books. I would have to, like, like all that digital content. I would have to lose, like, all of my iCloud account with all my pictures on it. I would have to lose my Creative Cloud account with all my drawings on it. I was like, oh, I could totally, totally walk away from everything, but, like, all of your memories, everything. So, I guess, like, start printing your pictures now, folks.
1: A lot of points you bring up. So, you do have all of that information, all of your search history, all of your social media, all of your images. So... If you're planning to escape to the Cayman Islands... Don't Google Cayman Islands. Don't Google Cayman Islands. Don't read a book about escaping to the Cayman Islands on Audible. All of these things are searchable and give people hints.
0: Right. One of the things I think about is um, I've dove down the Maura Murray rabbit hole pretty pretty hard. It's It's one of my favorites, like favorite sleuthy cases to read other people's theories about. I've never written anything on it, but... One of the things that she did before she disappeared is Google a specific resort. I've always wondered, like, was she going there or was that done to fuck with people?
1: You know, like... She- I mean, it's hard to say. You know, you never know. You never know what's real or what was just dreaming. And, like, one especially says, like, you dream on your laptop is a clever thing he says a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> in all his interviews. And I... But it's true. You know, you think, oh, man, I need to get away. And then, like, so you go look at Expedia and look at the flights Dude, to New York. that is your pastime. Yes. I used to do that all the time when we actually could do that. Yeah. ah, oh. uh, Before the children. But also, I mean, you bring up, like, social media and all the photos you have. So if you're going to disappear, you've got hundreds of pictures of yourself in every single situation. Maybe not every single situation. Nah. Maybe every nah. single situation. I uh,
0: know no I don't never
1: on social media on social media and so all those photos you know, consider taking all of those down if possible yeah that's not possible it's really not like I saw that suggestion there I was like that's impossible it's impossible to do and like if you shut your account down it's still all there and like law enforcement or some hacker group could easily get to that information because you
0: don't own it anymore especially on Facebook on like anything. It, it, no well facebook's terms and agreement you remember that kerfuffle a couple of years ago where it was like by the way facebook owns all the content you post there and it's like tacked in at the bottom and you just like everybody clicks okay so they own every image you post so yeah i don't think that's possible but let's talk about other ways we use social media so like if you are Using social media and you have the location services enabled on your phone, even while you're in the planning stages, I would imagine that's pretty detrimental to any kind of anonymity.
1: Right. I mean, you are tracked everywhere you go because we have a little GPS in our pocket at all times. And so, obviously, you would have to ditch your smartphone immediately. No. You have to. No. If you no! want to vanish, you don't have to vanish. If you want to vanish, you have to. Can
0: you have a burner smartphone? No, because No, you
1: can't. You'd have to have like a little burner flip phone.
0: Oh my God, how would I listen to podcasts?
1: So you could. So you could still access the internet in some ways. You just have to be very careful about it. So you'd have to, you know, get a new cheap laptop. You would have to have a burner phone. You'd have to use public Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. And then you can also use a Tor server. So by using a Tor, um, it reroutes your IP address, which is something that could be used to locate you through just different nodes. Um, so you could be sitting somewhere and it would say that you were in Germany if you tried to access that IP address, but you wouldn't actually be in Germany.
0: I'll use tour. You know, okay, so more advice. I would say that it would be really smart to go to a college town or to go to a college part of town wherever you're disappearing because there's a lot of free Wi-Fi and no. lots of online activity going on kind of to mask. I don't know. It just seems like a good place to
1: blend in. Well, and that's an important point, too, is that you want to blend in. Unless you are truly going Ted Kaczynski and, like, 100% going off the grid to live in a cabin in the woods and mail your bombs and do some LSD.
0: He didn't do LSD in the woods,
1: Jacob. You don't know that. I do! Magic mushrooms, whatever. (sighs) Don't talk about Ted that you have a problem.
0: I think he's brilliant and terrifying.
1: That is true.
0: <laughs> but no, like, okay, so even Ted had his tricks to hide his identity. For example, he was riding on a bus with a bomb that he was going to go mail, as you do. And he noticed that there was a long blonde hair that had been pulled off when somebody in front of him stood up. And so he took the hair and put it under the tape on the bomb so that there would be this foreign DNA profile that looked like long blonde hair on the bomb god he really was a mad genius
1: he, really, he, he was is a bond villain oh yes you're right he is a bond villain he's the one i would write to and you get like a 50 page diatribe on like some mathematical principle god willing in the creek don't rise again no, so going out into the like the countryside is not a great place because if you have to go into town people will recognize you you're the weird guy that lives out in the woods
0: so, actually, I'm going to argue with you. I think that you can go, like, way out in the country and be out of town. Like, my parents are a 30-minute drive from a grocery store. And I think that you can go out to a settlement, to an established village, like, 30 minutes away from the nearest town, and have a fair degree of anonymity. And if, you, if your nearest town has little outlying hamlets like that, you can get by with it.
1: Well, and nowadays... If you use things like prepaid cards, I don't know, it seems like you might be able to kind of order, order from Amazon and, like, get groceries and things like that through your tour server. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know, I think maybe. I mean, I don't know, I guess you, eventually they might be able to track. If they had, like, a general idea of where you were, they'd, like, see, like, oh, hey, that's weird. But they'd have to have a hint, a clue.
0: Well, and, like, oh, all well, if you have a certain shopping profile... Like, I would think it would be, like, you'd have to change your laundry, soap, you would have to change your shampoo. Like, if you're ordering all the same things that you left behind in your house, you know, they see the same kind of, I mean, like, there's, I would think that that would be
1: a... Like, you'd have to have this Inspector Perot kind of character. Yeah.
0: portal. I can't say that. I cannot say that. Everybody sounds like an asshole when they try to say it. I swear to God, that's why she named him that.
1: I can't say croissant. <laughs> yes, you can. Without sounding like an asshole. You
0: know that you can't. At least you don't say espresso.
1: Expresso? expresso. Uh. I can have a croissant and an expresso.
0: Oh my God, I would never have married you.
1: But you know, people always say, and it really is true, it's easier to blend in the crowd. What do you mean? So just like going to a bigger city where there's just uh, anonymity okay. is the standard. Because
0: if you move to a small town, honey, you gotta have a backstory.
1: Right. And also you're gonna wanna disguise your appearance.
0: And I would not think
1: that like
0: giant rainbow clown wig would be the way to go.
1: Right. If you were going to a specific event, you know, where you might be spotted that might work if it fit with what everyone else is wearing and if you went to a sports game or in you know, an athletic mm. game or something. But no, your everyday, you need to look as like nondescript as possible. And you want to make yourself look, of course, nothing like you normally do, but also like less attractive. Which Impossible. Be, which would be hard for me to do. Impossible. It would be hard. Yeah. Impossible. I don't know if I could do it. This is pretty much the only reason we can't vanish. Because we're too damn good looking.
0: <laughs>
1: I would just shave my head. Oh my God, no one would ever find you. I would shave my head into male pattern baldness.
0: You know what else you could do that would totally change your appearance? Bleach your eyebrows.
1: That'd be weird, and of course, colored contacts. Mm, I don't think people would notice that that much, honestly. I also think like tanning would be a really good one too. Like getting a really dark tan. Probably so. If I had
0: to vanish, what would my disguise be?
1: I would. ooh, I'd get a like short mom haircut. Don't you think you could disguise yourself as a man?
0: Like a boy. Yeah. Like a like a teenage boy. Yeah. I could probably pull that off. Thanks. i need a toby stash (laughs) very true (laughs) but i couldn't
1: live that way right i mean that would be the problem is if you wanted to like establish a new life
0: yeah a new identity it would have to be something kind of analogous to what i already do
1: you're right and that is a suggestion people make is that not to have this huge change like if you're an accountant And your normal life, then go and do something in finances. So it's something you understand, something you can do, and it's not this huge disruption. Right, like John List. But one problem is like something that I do. You know, I need a medical license. and If I want to stay in the U.S. Yeah. Or like another Western country. And say so that would you be would a problem do, like, have. You would just do like
0: holistic medicine and like peddle bullshit. Like you would like juice things and tell people <laughs> they were magic or something. I don't know. I can see you being like kind of a, a culty health guru.
1: I thought you were gonna start the cult. I uh, know I'm
0: gonna start the cult. You'll just make my salads. Go watch Holly Hell. It's amazing.
1: So in establishing a new identity, you might say, "Oh well, I'll just." Yeah, you know, do like they do on movies and get a new false identity.
0: Uh, it's so much easier
1: said than done. All right. Besides the fact that it's like super illegal. It's a felony in the US. Wow. Yeah, to use false identification. So Bob Burton, the president of US Cobra, one of Wait,
0: I'm sorry, G I G. Uh
1: kind of. He's one of the country it's one of the country's largest bounty hunting companies. I want to be a bounty hunter. And so he says that you would just, like, look in the obituaries. Find someone in some little town in Kansas, in some very rural place, that died. Someone around your age, and get their date of birth, and then call the county office. And be like, hey, uh, I used to live in Kansas, but I've been, you know, like, in the Philippines doing missionary work for the last 20 years. Missionary work is such a good lie. Right. And I just need to get a couple my birth certificate. You know, I don't know. It got lost in this flood when I saved five children from drowning. And the sweet old lady's like, "Oh, sure, honey." Oh God, you're right. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And then look at you split. You get your birth certificate. Step mailed one. Mail to your PO box. Step one. And then you take that, and then from there you can build an identity. You get a driver's license because they only need one form of identification. You know, create, you know, with your little company you've created, your little dummy corporation. Um, which in some states like Nevada they have extremely lax rules. I know. And it's like the Cayman Islands lax. And you can just set up a corporation very easily and you'd use that to like put a lease in your name or to put a car lease in your name. And you'd have that False identification to have a driver's license and get around. Well, one problem a lot of people get into is that they have troubles completely separating themselves from their old life, especially their family and friends.
0: Yeah, I don't like people.
1: I know, I'm such a psychopath. Like, Wait,
0: you're not. That's I'm not, not even cute for you to say. Like, no, you like people. I'm a, I'm a psychopath and it's fine. It's fine. It's I don't- fine i don't torture animals i've never started fires it's fine i'm a high functioning sociopath but yeah i i would actually like i'm joking about it but i i would not have an easy time separating from my family
1: right like moving
0: to a different state even where they knew where i was was traumatic for them and i felt i feel massively guilty every time i visit home and they're like When are y'all moving back? Never. (laughs) That's so mean. Yeah, I'd have a hard time with my family. Any acquaintance, anything like that, I could probably
1: not keep around. I'm horrible at keeping in touch anyway. Yeah, and that's usually people's moms. Mm -hmm. Like, they'll call their moms. And that's what one... Author, so when I read about from several people, I've mentioned a few. Frank Aaron, who kind of does this for a living, helps disappear people. So he kind of helps disappear like legitimate people, like you know, that are being stalked or abused or things like we talked about. If it's possible, let some people you're really close to know that you're disappearing so they don't call the police in a week mm-hmm. and get that investigation started. A lot of people have trouble not calling their moms and they try to find ways to kind of get around that, whether it be like intermediaries or just like old school, like dead letter drops <laughs> and things like that. It's very like 50s spies. Guy
0: in a dog suit one day. One...
1: That's a real story for another day. So let's see. Any other advice if we want to vanish? Um, we've covered social media, GPS cash your even your personality needing to just slightly change but not too much your appearance your location
0: oh well some we talked about dummy social media accounts at one point like yeah, that's
1: something you can do to help kind of throw people off your trail whether that be posting false information on your social media account and then like creating a, an entire network of false people To create this new identity in a new place. Obviously, this new place being not where you are.
0: Right. And so like I was thinking about like silly, kind of like trivial stuff. Like the the thing that we you would do that would mess you up. And one thing is like being featured on America's Most Wanted. Don't do that. Probably don't commit crimes if you're about to disappear. Like don't be like, oh I'm about to disappear. I can totally go rob a bank or whatever. Bad plan. You don't want them looking for you for two reasons, right? I was thinking about John List again, who you know got on America's Most Wanted, and that's really what did him in. Also, like if you communicate with a certain sphere of people, like comic people or wrestling people or whatever, you are not gonna be able to pick that up again. It's too specific, too small a community. Like if you are posting in web blogs and chat rooms, and like even if you change your handle,
1: right? Because all it takes is one person to get suspicious.
0: Yeah, if you are a smoker. Pick up your cigarette butts. Like, if people are crazy tra- tracing you, you don't want to leave DNA everywhere. Like, oh, yeah. use your own cup. Don't use cups in public, you know, if, like if you go to a coffee shop or whatever.
1: And so, there so- have been people that have been caught all those ways. Yeah. Get a go cup and bring it to your car. Let's just say picking up your cigarette butts and <laughs> not drinking from other people's cups is good rules in general.
0: No, but like, you could drink from a cup at a coffee shop or whatever.
1: Oh, right. I was just thinking hygiene. <laughs> So we've talked about all these awesome tips (laughs) for if you want to get vanished, if you want to disappear. Cover your fingertips
0: in super glue before you go out.
1: Or you can use non-greasy epoxy and put it on your fingers and then roll it along your heel and then you'll have a heel print. Madness. One more way we're making your life better.
0: Glitter. Lots of glitter. The more glitter you wear, the less people will notice you.
1: No. What? Not, I no, said. okay. <laughs> Less attractive. Glitter only makes people more attractive. Look at Dolly Mark. Listening. <laughs> Glitter! It's gotta be the answer. It's so hard to say has anyone actually done this? Have people actually vanished and never been found? I mean the answer is obviously a resounding yes. But if they vanished well.
0: No one ever knew. Right. I've mentioned before that I I troll some web sleuths. Not like troll them like say mean things, but like I lurk. Is that the thing? Is that what it's called? Lurking or trolling where you just like hang out? I think you'd be lurking. I'm lurking. I'm not trolling. So one of my favorite web sleuthy cases is actually a person who disappeared herself. Ooh. Ooh. So this is the case of Lori Erica Ruff. Recently, all of my web sleuthing, cracking the case dreams were dashed because the case was solved. Kinda. Kinda. There Okay, so
1: there is still plenty for you to speculate on.
0: And I will. Let's do it. Alright, so this woman's name was Lori Erica Ruff and her maiden name was Lori Erica Kennedy. She'd also had a former alias, which was Becky Sue Turner, which she adopted when she was 19 years old. She assumed the identity of Becky Sue Turner after calling and requesting a birth certificate for a two year old girl who had died in a house fire in 1971 in Washington. However, she'd been born in Bakersfield, California.
1: Yeah, so she's following our advice.
0: Right. So she used the birth certificate of someone who was born and died in a different state. So that the birth and death certificates would be been filed in different states, which is very smart.
1: Very clever.
0: And she petitioned for that birth certificate in May of 1988. Then she used that birth certificate to get an identification card in Idaho. On June 16th, so real quick turnaround, different states. Are you paying attention? Pay attention. And um, then she moved to Texas.
1: Uh, of course.
0: Of course. Deep in the heart of Texas. And she legally, through the Social Security Administration, before a judge, changed her name from Becky Sue Turner to Lori Erica Kennedy. Actually, she changed it to Lori Kennedy. No middle name on that name change request form. And that was on July 5th of 1988. So we've gone from May to July, and she's been through two new names and now lives in her third state within that span. So
1: she had a plan.
0: Yeah, it seems that way. And she was issued a Texas driver's license and social security card in 1989. She got her GED and enrolled in the Dallas County Community College. And then later graduated from UT Arlington in 1997 with a degree in business administration. There are rumors circulating that in this interim time, she may have worked as a
1: stripper. And that comes from like an old boyfriend
0: they interviewed later.
1: So the interim time between when she changed her name and when she kind of got her degree.
0: Right. And they also found out that she had had breast implants and maybe a nose job. So she's having some plastic surgery, changing her appearance. And then she met a man named Blake Ruff in 2003. And they married in 2004 after meeting at the Northwest Bible Church in Dallas. When his family asked about her history, she said that she was originally from Arizona and that her entire family was dead and never had any brothers or sisters. And she offered no details about anything prior to college. She did say that her dad was a failed stockbroker. And according to a Seattle Times article, the roughs weren't so sure of this woman whose past was empty spaces. But Blake didn't seem to mind the gaps.
1: Yeah, I'd be really concerned about this. Like, oh, hey, here's my new girlfriend. Uh, I knew nothing about her.
0: What were her parents' names? Hmm. I don't know. But his family says that's not that unusual for him. One of his cousins says Blake is the type of guy who takes everything you say at face value. So, when they were engaged, the mom was like, so I'm going to put an announcement in the paper, baby, because that's what you do. It's in Texas. It's in Texas. As you do. As you do. And she's like, I need to know your mom and daddy's names. She's like, they're dead. She's like, that'd still be nice to put their names. And she's like, we're eloping. And they did.
1: Oh, she's not going to be on mama's good side. No,
0: she's not. And so, then they moved from the Dallas area to Leonard, Texas. And his family was in Longview, Texas. And they are about hundred and. 50 miles apart. So Blake's family describes him as agreeable and honest almost to a fault. Blake said that what drew him to Laurie was she was tall, you know, an attractive person. So he's like this dumb,
1: lovable guy. Schlub. I mean, he just seems kind of schlubby. He's nice. He's a little schlubby. The most nondescript, boring guy you could find. Did he vanish? She used him to vanish. Yeah, it's smart. His brother-in-law,
0: an attorney named Miles Darby, says that that's typical Blake. He doesn't have much inner monologue, Miles says, or for that matter, an outer one.
1: So sweet. He loves his brother.
0: In-law. Okay, so they moved to Leonard. They were trying to have a baby, and Lori had several miscarriages, and like, apparently they had a hard time with that, and eventually... In summer of 2008, they finally had a daughter, and she'd been conceived through IVF. The neighbors there, though, said that Blake tried to be neighborly, Lori didn't. And according to her mother-in-law, who, as we previously discussed, is probably not her biggest fan, says she really didn't like people as much as she liked working at home on her computer.
1: Oh, say it like she said it. She really just didn't like people. (laughs) She was just on that dang computer all day. She wasn't even taking care of her daughter, right?
0: <laughs> now, you just you just imagine that. But yeah, that's basically what she said. Okay, and then people said that Laurie even avoided eye contact, like neighbors and stuff, that it would encounter her. She was just not friendly, which I think, to be fair, could just be that she is not from the South, living in Texas. And people are just like, damn Yankee, and don't know what to do with her. But the marriage eventually did become strained. Lori was extremely protective of her daughter and would not allow in-laws to be involved with her. Um, she wouldn't let the mother-in-law babysit. And Nancy says that she would never even leave the child alone in the room with her. She did get really interested in the family's genealogy and wanted to collect all of the family recipes. So it's like that she had these kind of like dueling natures. She didn't know what to do with herself. Blake, in his usual eloquent manner, says she wasn't even comfortable around her own self. How could she be comfortable around the family? A poet. Right? So as the marriage is becoming more and more strained, they do try counseling. But Blake eventually moved back to Longview with his parents in the summer of 2010. And he eventually filed for divorce. Lori and her daughter remained in Leonard. And Lori began to kind of go a little nuts.
1: Jew and Kroger.
0: A little bit. So neighbors reported that they noticed that she was losing weight. And reportedly her daughter, who was about two at this time, was
1: also losing weight. Which is horrible, if it's true. It also sounds like gossip.
0: Yeah, well, I even
1: saw her daughter was getting all skinny.
0: Yeah. I ain't feeding that baby. She ain't feeding that baby. She ain't feeding the
1: baby. And that was
0: according to the, her neighbor slash pastor named Denny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes on to say she was frantic, about to the point of incoherence. From that point on, I never saw her focus. Hold on. Let me just do it right. Let me just do it right. She was frantic. About near the point of incoherence, he said. From that point on, I never saw her focus again. Denny suggested Lori come to counseling at the church where he served as a pastor. She brought in notebooks in which she rambled about what was going on with her and how she could get him back, he said. And Blake said that he knew that she'd been medicated for ADHD and Tourette's.
1: Tourette's? I know. That sounds like a rumor, too. Well, that's
0: what he said. Of course, she could have been taking literally anything I mean, like, this is for my Tourette, So If I don't take this, I say cuss words. And he's like, take it. I'd be in person. Blake came in for counseling sessions, too. And he brought along his brother, David, to their marriage counseling sessions. David was his twin brother. And he did everything that David did. Like, David bought a black Tahoe, so then Blake bought a black Tahoe. David married a girl from Bible study class, so then Blake married a girl from Bible study class. Like, it was just, it seems a little odd. But anyway, Denny said it was strange to have David there for the couple's counseling. And David did most of the talking, as if he were translating for Blake. Denny goes on to say, honestly, I don't think she was capable of getting help she needed because she was so obsessed about whatever she was obsessed about. Another poet. Then Lori began sending kind of harassing emails to the Ruff family. So Blake and the in-laws. No,
1: I'm sure Mama Ruff loved that.
0: Oh, no, she did not, is what she said. She did say that, and then she filed a cease and desist order shortly before Christmas of 2010. The divorce became final in 2010. And on December 24th, which is... Do that math for me.
1: Christmas Eve. Yeah,
0: thanks. Of that year, she drove to the father-in-law's home... And shot herself in the driveway. Father-in-law discovered her there with the car idling, which is just odd to me, and called police. She left a letter for my wonderful husband. It was 11 pages long. And she also left another one addressed to her daughter to be opened on her 18th birthday. The refs, of course, opened and read the letter. But it contained only, and this is a quote from police, the ramblings of a clearly disturbed person. So after Lori died in 2010... Blake's relatives found the box. And this occurred after Lori's funeral, when Miles, the brother-in-law, and a few other family members made that drive to Leonard from Longview. They'd all felt over the years that she was hiding something. Miles said he'd been sent to scrub the house and see what he could find out about who the heck she was. That's quote. By this point, he wasn't taking chances. As he pulled up to the house that afternoon, he'd called a sheriff's deputy to meet him there. I didn't know the place was booby-trapped. He explained The place is a wreck The baby's bed was soiled And there were piles of dishes and laundry and trash bags Of shredded documents She'd basically given up the will to live said Miles said Everywhere there was paper filled with Lori's scrawls When she ran out of space She just wrote over top of whatever she'd just jotted down And in the closet Miles found A strong box A lockbox, A lock box She'd kept it tucked in the bedroom closet It was labeled Crafts
1: What was she crafting? I'm feeling this is like an Ed Gein story coming on.
0: Uh, No, it's not. And she told Blake, don't touch that. He was like, all right. It says Blake being Blake, he obeyed. All right. That's literally what the news story says. I'm going to
1: go watch the Cowboys. All
0: right. Okay, Laurie, whatever you say. And so inside the lockbox, they found all of the documents pertaining to the creation of her false identity which included the birth certificate, the name change forms, various IDs, and some other documents that kind of falsified a employment history and some weird scrawly notes. So who the hell did she kill? No, I don't think anybody. Nobody that we know of. So they were like, "Oh my god, she really was like she really was hiding something."
1: A secret agent.
0: Yes. But I mean, imagine like if every Southern family who gossiped is like, I don't know. I don't know his people. I don't know what he's hiding.
1: Um, Actually found the (laughs) the skeletons in the closet. Like,
0: imagine if everybody was like, "Mm, I don't know about him. He spent some time up north and he just hadn't been right since he came home. If all of those things turned out to be true, this is that story.
1: Mama Ruff's like, yes, I knew. I knew it. I knew that. I told you.
0: Mm-hmm. I told you. Blake, I told you. I know that you just went through a horrible divorce and you're now a single father, but I told you so. The South is amazing. It so happens that the Ruff family was friends with a congressman who was a member of House Intelligence Committee. And so an aide passed a binder with all of Lori, Eric Kennedy, slash Becky Sue Turner's documents in it to an investigator named Joe Vailing, who works for the Social Security Administration, and he says it must have been for some horrific re- reason. Either she was running away from a crime and her an abusive family, or a relationship. She created the false identity for the sole purpose of getting lost in America, and he investigated the case for over two years. And initially, he said, my immediate reaction was, I'll crack this pretty quickly. He recalled thinking when he saw the binder. And he said that the congressman,
1: quote, just wanted to make sure she wasn't a KGB mole. Really? Not that crazy of a thought. <laughs> like, with all this crazy shit coming out out of nowhere. Well, I mean, Mama Ruff knew, but nobody else knew. I mean, she could be.
0: Could be. So on September 21st of 2016, the Seattle Times ran the story that I've been quoting from for this entire article, announcing that the identity of one Jane Doe, formerly Lori Erica Ruff, formerly Lori Erica Kennedy, formerly Becky Sue Turner, had been solved and her name was Kimberly McLean. And she was a girl from Philadelphia who left home when she was 18 and never came back. Colleen Fitzpatrick, a forensic genealogist, found a connection to a first cousin named Michael Cassidy. And I believe that was done through DNA. And it was soon discovered that Kimberly's mother was Michael Cassidy's aunt, Deanne. And Deanne was married to a man named James McLean. And they did DNA testing and confirmed a match. And it seems like Kimberly had had a pretty stable childhood. Her mom was a stay-at-home mom, and her dad was a carpenter and a volunteer firefighter. But when she was an adolescent, her parents divorced and they moved to Newtown in Pennsylvania. And her mom remarried to a man named Robert Becker. Then one day she came home and told her mom she was leaving for good and don't come find me.
1: And she actually, unlike every other teenage girl, did it.
0: She did it. So she left home in 86. There they're two years unaccounted for. Nobody can figure it out. Not this Social Security Administration investigator Not the PIs, not the web sleuths. Nobody's put it together. We are missing two years, which I think is pretty amazing.
1: So she did go to Russia.
0: Yes. She was a sleeper agent. Code word was Rosebud. Name of the pigeon, as previously discussed. Take notes. And then it's clear she spent some time in Idaho, California, and Las Vegas before moving to Texas, according to the investigation. She had a pretty ordinary life. She's really following our advice. Yeah, it's like she listened to the podcast in 1988.
1: So she was a time traveler.
0: That's what I'm saying. Mystery solved. But they found out her birthday was October 16th of 1968, which made her only a year older than the Becky Sue Turner identity that she assumed. And a lot of people had speculated that she might have been a good number of years older than that identity. And they thought this, like, because of the fertility problems and... People said she looked older and they thought that that might have been something throwing off the investigation.
1: Was this Mama Russ rumors? Yeah. Man. I don't know. She looks older than that and she can't have a baby.
0: Honey, there were so many rumors about her being a man during this time because she was 5'10 and had big hands. Man hands? Man hands. Like It, it was unbelievable. People were like, she didn't really have that baby. I'm like, she had the baby. She had the baby. Shut up. Oh, my God.
1: So, are there any rumors about what happened to her in those two missing years?
0: Okay, the man thing is one. Okay. Um, spy.
1: Of course, I think that's it.
0: Spy. The investigator, Veiling said that he thought she might have been AWOL from the Army, but there's no you know, paper trail or anything to indicate that's true, but that was one of his original speculations before he had put her identity together. I mean, other people say she was just hitchhiking, which... She wasn't murdered,
1: so that's not true. Not true. Not true. I mean, she was in California. And not
0: being murdered, so therefore, yeah, therefore not hitchhiking. Most people think, you know, she might have been just kind of on the lam, just like living life, into the wild, in the bus, eating the berries. Okay. Yeah. Nobody's really worried about those two years. There were plenty of theories before, but now that it's solved, people are like, oh, well, it's her. And I'm like, there are still two years. How are you not driving yourself insane trying to figure out what happened in those two years? So I drove myself a little insane, and I have a theory.
1: This is a Samantha original. Just a story exclusive. (laughs) Samantha's ramblings.
0: Don't give me that much credit for things. So called it ramblings. (laughs) Don't give me that much credit. So I recently watched a documentary called Holy Hell, which is really good. You should go watch it. You should pause and go watch it. It's on Netflix. Like, it's highly entertaining. So, it's about this cult called the Buddha Field, which was based in California. Where she was. Where she was. They had this scare where someone was in love with one of the members and, like, tried to get the cult group, like the cult breakup group that existed during that time after them, get media attention on this cult. And it was highly upsetting. To the man in charge of the cult, his name was Andreas.
1: Ooh.
0: Andreas. He was a he was a former balladeer from somewhere in Eastern Europe, and he had a scar. Eastern European <laughs> with <where> a <laughs> scar. I don't know. Abducted her. Maybe, maybe. After the scare that they had because of like somebody trying to dox them, that was not the word they used because this was in the eighties. You know, trying to call media attention and scrutiny to this group. They decided that they had to relocate cult HQ to the great state of Texas, deep in the heart of Texas. So they actually wound up in Austin. Wonderful, yeah. Which is like my original like takeaway from this documentary is like this is why there's so many gorgeous, aged hippies in Austin because we really do have the highest number per capita of attractive vegetarians over the age of 50. During this time that they were trying to figure out where to relocate to, they'd sent people out in little pods to go and explore different areas of the country. So my theory was maybe she was sent off to Idaho and just decided not to go back. Or did go back. And ended up in and Texas. Up in Texas. Which is also possible. And the timeline kind of fits. And I think it's interesting to consider that kind of a... like cult somebody in authority some kind of figure like that because the way her identity was established was so sophisticated for a 19 year old girl in the 80s who wouldn't have had access to the internet to research how to do this
1: that i think there must have been something
0: somewhere
1: i've always thought that it's like she couldn't google all this stuff there weren't books on this like how did she figure this out
0: I mean, she might have just been sharp. That's entirely possible. It's very possible. I'm not saying that, but, like, it is. it was done so
1: well. Or she was a spy. She was definitely a spy. Or so, she was in this cult. So what else fits her in with the cult? Well,
0: they were basically a cult of gorgeous people. Ooh, fun. No, like, really, on the documentary, I was watching, I was like, this doesn't look like a cult. This looks like, like a United Colors ad or, like, an American Apparel ad. It is ridiculous. They are all aspiring models, actresses, blah, blah, blah. And as we've mentioned, because of the man theory, Lori was 5'10". She was very tall, model-esque, young, no family, kind of looking for something. And, like, one of the only consistent details that comes up when people are writing about Lori, or one of the only things that people know about her, is that she's a vegetarian.
1: And they were vegetarians. Mm-hmm.
0: Major part of the cult. And... Also, something that occurred to me was the fact that she was very much tuned into the idea of having a kid so quickly. Members of the cult were not allowed to have children. And if any of them got pregnant... Well, first of all, they were not supposed to have sex.
1: That's shocking. Yeah. Except with the cult leader?
0: Yeah, and only behind closed doors, and they weren't supposed to tell anybody about it. It was called counseling. But that's a whole different story. The women, especially, were not allowed to have sex. And if they did get pregnant... They were told to either have an abortion or they would be excommunicated. So I think that that might have definitely wanted a kid and she definitely wouldn't have been allowed to within the confines of the cult.
1: Okay, but not through. This doesn't discount your theory at all. But the idea of wanting to have a kid would also tie into her just wanting to like establish roots. No, I get
0: that. And I totally.
1: Wanting to like have something that was. I'm not saying
0: that everybody that wants to have a kid was in a cult that wouldn't let you have a kid, but I'm saying. Looking at it through this lens, that is something that would fit. She also apparently spent time as an exotic dancer. And this is, again, another bit of a stretch. But one of the main things they all did was, like, dance training. And that's because Andreas was a former balladeer. And he believed that it was essential that everyone keep their bodies in shape, whatever. And so they'd spend, like, six hours a day doing dance training.
1: like Drum circle dance training? Like ballet. Really? That's interesting.
0: It was a ballet vegetarian cult. And also, she did find a church to be a part of. And it was like one of her only social outlets. It's how she met her husband, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that some people just have a personality where they like to be devoted to something. And so, maybe that's another sign. It was also noted that she wore very conservative, matronly clothing even before she was a matron, even before she was married or had children. She seemed very self-conscious of her body. And this... Cult would have created that kind of self consciousness. He would criticize everyone's makeup. He would criticize the way everyone looked, at what everyone wore, and just you know, basically anything that you can do in order to break a person down psychologically. And again, just the idea that somebody might have been helping her. Like if they were trying to send people out into the world to scout for new locations, it would have been helpful for them to have identities that couldn't be traced, etc. Maybe that's how this all got started.
1: No, oh, I mean, if people in the cult had had a similar background to where they would have had kind of information about this and been able to educate her, even just like, she was able to get that information just from talking to him.
0: hmm Who knows? Just a thought. Like, it really is. It was just like one day I was like, huh, you know what? And like, write a few notes down. I'm not married to this theory.
1: Maybe she's a spy.
0: I like the spy idea, too. I like the I
1: like the gangster idea, too. So... We do have someone that actually did vanish. Yes. Until she died. And then for a few years
0: after that, she had a good run.
1: Yeah, no one knew who the hell she was.
0: And if she hadn't kept that lockbox, like if she'd just burned those
1: documents. But people have to keep those ties. You know, it's so interesting. There's that psychological just, like, need to have that root. But it
0: wasn't a picture of her when she was a kid. Like, it was fake identities, which I think is so interesting.
1: But so we have someone that truly did vanish, truly did disappear. So you can, in a way, kidnap yourself.
0: Right, but she also did it in 1986.
1: Right. This led me to think of the idea that, of course, you can consciously kidnap yourself and create your own identity. But could you kidnap yourself... Without knowing about it. Whoops! And you know what the answer is? You betcha, because this is a weird, weird world. That's right. You can. (laughs) You can. You can. So there is a psychological disorder called dissociative fugue.
0: Called, whoops, I've kidnapped myself.
1: (laughs) How did we get here, Sylph? The first recognized case of dissociative fugue was described in 1887. And they were called the Mad Travelers. Best Wes Anderson movie ever. Yes. And the first guy was Albert Dottis, and he was a part-time clerk and repairman. And he would just have these irresistible impulses that would cause him to travel to distant places. <laughs> and when questioned, he had no explanation for these bizarre urges to travel. He would just be like, oh, I'm in Monaco. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whoopsie daisies. Oh, look at that. Oh, look where we are today. Hmm,
1: I don't speak this language. My, what a pickle. So dissociation is a real thing, and it is a defense against a trauma, usually. And it helps a person kind of remove themselves from that trauma and just those ideas.
0: I've never been to the point of ending up in Monaco, whoops, but I do remember like the day I had to go in and have an emergency c-section a month before my kid's due date and was like dying everybody was like you are so calm and I was like that's because I'm not here right now
1: yeah you're going to dissociate away from it yeah like I just checked out Right, you have these like parallel consciousnesses going on you know you know you should be worried about it but you're not and so in a case of dissociative amnesia which this falls under You have an episode of an inability to recall important personal information. You know, this is, of course, not related to some, like, organic cause. You can, like, hit your head and like, very soap opera-like. Be like, I don't know who I am. I just slept with my twin sister's husband. Whoops! I'm in Monaco. But something like a dissociative fugue is when this happens. When you lose these important personal details... And then you have an episode of sudden, unexpected travel away from home or one's customary place of work with inability to recall one's past.
0: That's the train coming to pick us up and take us away to wherever we're going. To Monaco, obviously, Monaco. So
1: you've hopped a train. To Monaco. You have lost this important personal identity. So what happens if you come to en route? Like if you come to kind of like... So that can happen. Usually what happens is... That you have some confabulations. So that means that you make things up to fill in the holes. Like,
0: you, you're like, I want a train. I know what a train is. I know that I'm going somewhere. I must need to go there for a reason. Obviously, I'm visiting my uncle.
1: Right, something like that. I'm on a business trip.
0: Just, like, maybe the last detail you can recall. Like, not a specific thing from your life, but just, like, a visiting family, a business trip. Things that start with the letter G. You know, like, just... Basically, categories, categories.
1: Right, they're unaware of the memory loss. And they usually act normal. They're acting normal. There's just this one piece of information that's not there. Sometimes they can kind of have this confusion about their personal identity. But a lot of times it's when they're forced to reveal some piece of biographical information that they realize that they don't know who they are and make some attempt to uncover their identity. And this can last for hours? Days? Weeks, months.
0: Forever? Can it last
1: forever? Well, we would never know, right? Oh. We never know if a case lasted forever. And so this is a true, honest to God, psychological disorder that occurs. And now there are lots of interesting cases related to this. I mean, there's one story we've talked about that very much could be a case of this. Anna Anderson? Right, Miss Anastasia herself.
0: Man, if you have people plugging in details for you, too, I'm sure that helps.
1: Yeah, and you just agreed to it. You're like, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh Uh-huh. And then some confabulations where you take things that you know are real, fill in the little holes. You're fine.
0: I never said I was Tatiana.
1: Exactly. But she played like she was Tatiana for like a few months. Mm -hmm.
0: Go listen to Anastasia episode. Sorry, that was a a
1: due track there. No, we know you've all listened to it. It's one of the most popular episodes, which is weird. We thought we were the only ones that would listen to it. I'm obsessed with Russian history. Everyone else must be too. So, a few other interesting cases. Judy Roberts was a reporter for the Tacoma News Tribune, and she went missing in 1985. Now, she was found 12 years later in Sitka, Alaska, living under the name of Jane D. Williams. Some people initially thought that she might you know, just might be fake, that she was faking the amnesia, but when she was examined by experts, they felt that she really did have a dissociative fugue. It's like a protracted state. That has to be the strangest feeling in the world. Well, you wouldn't really know.
0: I think you'd Until ha-
1: someone told you. No, that is part of the diagnosis. You don't know.
0: But to, like feel like everything's just out of your grasp like when somebody asks you like when's your birthday you're like march i think it's march but like almost there and like that the kind of huh it's it's march march 16th like but then after
1: you said that it would be true it would be true to you have
0: that sensation of like that that grasping every time you went for a detail
1: well some people can and some people don't another interesting case was in 2003 where a 35-year-old businessman was discovered living in Virginia. After disappearing from his home six months previously, he'd left his wife and children behind with no explanation. And whenever they found him, they found out that he had actually survived the Twin Towers attacks in 2001 and was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and dissociative fugue. And he was only found after an anonymous tip off led local law enforcement to his door.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty good reason.
1: Right. I mean, it usually is. A lot of times these cases are like people that are being abused, people that are in really bad relationships, um, you know, something like this, just a really traumatic event occurring, just kicking it off.
0: All I can imagine is your brain just going, I've had enough.
1: That's good. Let's go. We'll just be somebody else we're now. kidnapping ourselves. We're creating a false identity <laughs> and we're running away.
0: But you know what? I'm not going to tell you about it because
1: I don't want you to be culpable. Like it's like exactly. your brain is like fixing it for you, you. You are truly kidnapping yourself.
0: It's amazing. It's an amazing idea.
1: It's not just an idea. It's not just a story.
0: No, it's an amazing thing that our brain can do that. So we're now entering a little story time that I want to call... The Trouble with Dames. The Trouble with Dames, you say? The
1: Trouble with Dames. This is the original title of 99 Problems. Oh. But a dame ain't one.
0: If you were low born, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a dame ain't one. Anyway. <laughs> so, the trouble with this dame began on December 3rd, 1926, around 930. And this is when a 36-year-old English woman decided she needed a break. So she left her home in Sunningdale, Berkshire, in the UK. Passed by her sleeping daughter, Rosalind, who was about seven. Gave her a kiss, pat on the head. God, I hope she had staff because she just left. And being a writer, as this name was, she left three notes. And one note claimed that she was going on vacation. The other note has been burned, and one of the other notes was never made public. Shortly after this, her car was discovered near the edge of Silent Pool. This is so ominous. I know. A site where two children had supposedly drowned. A place steeped in death and mystery. This is relatively new her home. The car was on a steep slope at Newlands Corner near Guilford. The lights were on, the hood was up, and inside the car... Was a body. Nope fur coat, well, kind of a body, (laughs) an old driver's license and luggage packed with clothing, no evidence of an accident, no sign of the driver. Do you know who the driver was?
1: Lori Erica Ruff.
0: Okay, you're bad at math. (laughs) You're bad at math. She's a time traveler. Oh my God. Agent. Oh my God. They're totally the same person. I knew it. No, they actually kind of look alike. Have you seen pictures? Like, they really kind of do. So, the driver of the car was a crazy woman driver. Joyce Carol Lutz would later write about, just kidding, that's not true. It was Agatha Christie.
1: Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie. The famed mystery novelist.
0: Yes. And so what do you do if you are England and you lose Agatha Christie if you accidentally misplace one of your best-selling authors?
1: You call Inspector Burrow.
0: Burrow. Close. Close. We'll get there. So Home Secretary William Johnson Hicks urged the police to make faster progress finding her and set up. Out one of the largest man-slash-woman hunts in the history of the United Kingdom. There were 15,000 volunteers. There were dredge teams searching all of the local bodies of water. No one dynamited the fish. That's where they really screwed up. I know. The first fleet of biplanes... Planes? Planes! Ever used in a missing person's case were deployed in search of Agatha Christie...
1: After her mysterious disappearance. The game is afoot.
0: That's true. That's so true because Sir Arthur Conan Doyle shows up in this story because he has to show up everywhere. With his magic. Oh, he brought magic. Of course. He brought magic. Don't worry. So he came and he was like, I can offer special insight because I'm a mystery writer. Just kidding. I'm here to prove spiritualism exists. And he's like, may I have a glove, please? And he takes the glove.
1: And then Houdini, like, appears out of the glove.
0: He does. And then he takes it from him and slaps him in the face. And then they have a duel. Yes.
1: Best
0: story <laughs> ever. No. Just kidding.
1: Stop, uh, ruin my dream.
0: No, Mr. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle does obtain a glove. And what do you think he does with it? He gives it to a psychic. Oh, I was going to say a dog, but yes, the psychic is true.
1: No, no, we've talked way too much about his ridiculousness in the past.
0: No, I was like, it was a logical thing to be like, may I have a piece of her clothing? I am a detective. I shall give it to this bloodhound and he will find her. Just kidding. I'm going to see a medium. So he does. He takes it to a medium. And he's like, can you find her? And she's like,
1: trumpet vagina. Nah.
0: nah. Not so much, but loophole, loophole. I think that there may have been a reason she couldn't find her. And then, out of the ether, appears another mystery writer to look for Miss Agatha Christie. Dorothy L. Sayers stops by the scene of the crime and makes a few observations, none of which lead to the location of Miss Agatha Christie. But she does use her notes as inspiration for her later work, Unnatural Death. But one does n- not simply misplace a famous mystery writer without whispers and rumors and theories circulating wildly. The butler. It was. It was the butler. God. Was was easy. Why do you do this? Just kidding. It was the butler. So in the papers and in the whispers people immediately began to suspect that perhaps her husband, Colonel Archibald Christie, a former World War I fighter pilot, may have had something to do with dear sweet Aggie's disappearance. This might have been because he was a serial philanderer, and it was a well-known fact that he had recently begun an affair with a younger woman named Nancy Neal. And made no attempt to hide his
1: canoodling. Who cheats on someone that literally spends all their time writing about hiding a murder? Someone who does not think
0: with the head on their shoulders, my love. So the day prior to Agatha's disappearance, he announced that he planned to spend the weekend with Nancy Neal.
1: Oh, that's... Hussy. Hussy.
0: And Agatha apparently took issue with this but nothing really came of the argument nobody knows how it turned out but there were sternly worded arguments surrounding the idea that her husband wanted to go away with his lover for the weekend in 1926 and it only made sense to a fascinated public that the crime writer had been murdered by a
1: vengeful husband because that's the way the story should go. Oh, yeah, but I mean, obviously they haven't read any of her books, because then they would know. Then it's never the red herring. There's a twist. What a twist. So,
0: what a twist. On December 14th, 11 days after she was reported missing, she was discovered. They found her body? They found her. She was hiding out at the Swan Hydropathic Hotel in Harrowgate, England, and... Unfortunately, she'd been uh, hungered by a banjo player. No. Named Bob (laughs) Tappin. He recognized her and alerted authorities. She'd signed into the spa using the name Teresa Neal. Neal? Neal. That hussy? The hussy's name. It wasn't a different first name, but she did use the same surname As her husband's lover. She said she was from Cape Town. And she did nothing to arouse the suspicions of anyone at the hotel. She joined in with balls, dances, entertainment. But she kept claiming that she was a bereaved mother from Cape Town.
1: So did the police, like, storm in the door and the banjo player was, like, playing a ditty. And then, like, stands up and points to her and is like, That's "That's the dame! dame. Yes,
0: yes, it's exactly, no, that's not what happened. Um... Tap an alert alerted the police. Tappan's the blanjo player. Obviously, he couldn't be a drummer because that would be too on the nose. And the police called Archie and they were like, Yo, I feel bad for you, son, but you gotta come get your name. And he immediately came to the Hydropathic Swan Hotel in Harrogate, England and collected her. But when she saw him, she says, Fancy, my brother's just arrived. So either she was completely fucking with him or she was having some issues. I'm fine either way. It's still a great story. She did make him wait in the lobby while she went and put on her evening dress and would not leave until she changed clothes. She she didn't have, like, this weird, like, oh, shit, I've been caught moment. She was like, okay, fine, whatever you say, darling. I'll go with you, dear brother, but I'm going to go change into my proper attire. Just wait here. Like, no, like, I'm caught. No, like, panic. She was very calm and... Went about business as usual. Now, after Agatha had been collected, there was the matter of, you know, the massive governmentally funded manhunt that had been undertaken in order to find her that she was kind of expected to answer for. And a lot of people were kind of peeved that she turned out to just be at a spa.
1: Yeah, was this just like another hoax publicity stunt? Some people thought it was because she was releasing a book very
0: soon called the murder of Roger Ackroyd. And others thought she may have been suicidal and planned to, like, go away where she could kill her. We've talked about how many people killed themselves in hotels. Like, that's a thing. Other others claimed that she'd been trying to frame Archie Dearest and Nancy Hotpants Neal for murder. But the most logical other other others thought that she might have planned the whole thing to thwart her husband's plans to spend the weekend with his mistress at her house close to where the car had been found.
1: But modern-day psychologists have a theory.
0: Well, her husband would agree with that theory because he said that she suffered a total memory loss as a result of the car crash. He said maybe she just had a little crash and it just totally ruined her memory. Modern-day psychologists do have some opinions about what what might have been going on with her, and it's kind of what you said earlier. And there's some evidence for that. I mean, she just found out that her husband was having an affair. Her marriage is falling apart. Her mother had died that year. And she was under a lot of pressure to keep up the rate of work that she'd been producing. And the caliber. So she may have just felt it was all too much and become Teresa Neal from Cape Town.
1: Right. A lot of people think this is probably the most famous case of dissociative fugue. Where she'd had all this stress piled on her, had traumatic events such as her mother dying or finding out that her husband was having an affair with Miss Neal and just completely broke and went off and created a new personality.
0: And, you know, looking at Krusty's own writing about the experience, she said very little about it. Like, she never said, like, came out and was like, I kind of maybe remember... Or someone made me do it or anything like that. The only thing she ever said was like, so ended my first marriage. And then later she would go on to say, for 24 hours, I wandered in a dream and then found myself in Harrowgate as a well-contented and perfectly happy woman who believed she'd just come from South Africa.
1: And I do think it's very possible it was a dissociative fugue. But my skepticism is still there. It's like, wow, she's one of the best writers of the last century and she wrote mystery crime novels. You've gotta have that grain of salt and say she could have just come up with it.
0: Or maybe it was just like already in her brain. Like maybe that path was just like primed. You know? Like, do you think you'd be more disposed to do this if you surrounded yourself with that kind of thinking where your brain is almost trained? to be fantastic
1: could you be better at confabulations at filling those holes in and kind of creating that backstory because it's what she did all day
0: she did inhabit very different characters all the time but this did not hamper her success she did not use it as a crutch It did not become the only thing she was known for in fact i think that many people today myself included come to agatha christie for her work and find this out later when they watch doctor who and go oh my god that's amazing. That really happened. I didn't find out on Doctor Who, but it was a fun episode. Giant bees. So she went on to publish eighty novels. She's been translated into more languages than Shakespeare. She also divorced Archie Faulty Trousers Christie in nineteen twenty eight and remarried to Sir Max Molowin, a distinguished archaeologist. Upgrade. Dreamboat side in 1930, and became Lady Mollowan. And she lived out her days writing about murder, mayhem, and crumpets, and died in 1976. A very successful lady. But for 11 days, she was Teresa Neal from Cape Town. So the next time you hear someone speculating that a person who's gone missing has just wandered away to the Hydropathic Swan Hotel, Ed started a new life, maybe... I'll join you in not being so quick to say that's just a story.
1: Or maybe it is just a story. Society 13 Podcast Network. Redefining podcasts. Society 13.com. I like to listen.